book of Hosea. I was going through the Bible over a month ago, and I realized that there's a big section that I never have really looked at. And that is the section of the minor prophets. And so uh, I was like, you know, I need to I need to study the minor prophets. And the first one on the butchering block is Hosea, and it comes right after Daniel in your Bible. Uh, in chronological order, uh, Hosea takes place uh, about 150 years before Daniel even started speaking. So uh, we're going to go through the first three chapters of Daniel. Daniel go through the first three chapters of Hosea this morning. Uh, and once you get through those first three chapters, the rest of the book pretty much makes sense. Now, I don't know how, how well your, uh, how well you can envision things, but I, I need you to try to conjure up some stick figures, some really nasty people, some really good people, and uh, because this, this book is, is very interesting, and it, there, I think there's a lot that we can learn from the book of Hosea. Uh, like I said, uh, Hosea prophesied around 785 B.C. Uh, it begins there in the beginning, it says, And the word of the Lord that cameth unto Hosea the son of Beer in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, and then in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel. Now we go through here, there's two, uh, there's two Jeroboams. The first one is the one that received the ten tribes of Israel. Okay? That, we're looking at nine-something nine B.C. You know, Solomon, uh, we look in, in First Kings and we see Solomon that, that he's, well, as God would put it, he's whoring after other gods. And, and I'm going to use that word whoring and whore a lot. And I, want, I need you to visualize what that is to you. Whenever, you. whenever I say whore, what do you think of? Nothing clean, right? I hope. You know, I, I keep well, putting this together and I was telling Brawlin about it. She said, you know, you're saying whore a lot. And I was like, you know, I know it. And I feel like my mom's going to come behind me with that antibacterial liquid dial soap, a handful of it, and shove it in my mouth. I mean, it's one of those words that we don't have anything good to say about it. And that's exactly what God uses and tells Hosea to use. Those are his exact words. And the thing is, is that this isn't the first time that this has happened. I mean, we go all the way back to the book of Exodus, and we see God tell them, stay away from these other peoples. Don't, commit the, don't, don't bring them into your lives, because they will cause you to whore after other gods. They will take you into a life of idolatry and you will whore after them. That means that you will take everything unclean, your unclean spiritual life, and you will go after false gods. Gods that don't even exist. Things that, that do not matter whatsoever. He said you will chase those things. And the thing is, is it's no different for us today. There's a lot of things in this world that do not matter that people chase after. And that's one of the main, one of the main teachings that we can find from Hosea. 
The war of the Lord came to Hosea and the son of Beer in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel. The beginning of the word of the Lord by Hosea. And the Lord said to Hosea, Go, take unto thee a wife of whoredoms and children of whoredoms, for land hath committed great whoredoms, departing from the Lord. So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Deblaim, which conceived and bare him a son. And the Lord said unto him, Call his name Jezreel, for yet a little while, and I will avenge the blood of Jezreel upon the house of Jehu, and I will cause to cease the kingdom of the house of Israel. Now, here right off the bat, I mean, he... I, I see it very very ironically. We, we have all these older, other prophets and... You know, God tells them to go, you know. God calls them, and they go. You know, they go, you know, they say, hey, here am I. You know, send me. I will go. I will speak. And God tells him, go marry a whore. I mean, that, it doesn't make any sense. But whenever you look at the children of Israel and what they were doing, they were living their life the exact way that God was telling Hosea to live his life. We learn from example, Right? You know, you're not going to go to Travis for marital advice, correct? Okay, God's putting this on Hosea, and he's telling him to live that life. Because you are going to be a living example of me and the children of Israel. Your relationship with your wife and the children that you have is not going to be any different than my relationship with them. You marry Gomer, a whore. And as we go on, we look further in this book, she doesn't quit. She doesn't say, oh, I'm married. I'm supposed to be this kind of wife. She continues to live that life. And Hosea stays with her. So we're given a couple of, a couple of names, uh, Jehu and Jezreel. Jezreel is a, is a place, okay, at the Valley of Jezreel. If you would... Uh, to kind of give you an idea of, of why Jose is in this predicament that he is in, uh, go with me to King, uh, first. Let's see, First Kings. Let me find my right notes. Yes, First Kings, chapter eleven, verses number one through eight. It'll give you a little bit of a background of what Jose is up against. First Kings chapter 11, verses 1 through 8. But King Solomon loved many strange women, together with the daughters of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Zidians, and Hittites. Of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, Ye shall not go in to them, neither shall ye come in unto me. For surely they will turn away your heart after their gods, Solomon clave unto these in love. And he had seven hundred wives, princesses, and three hundred concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. For it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods. And his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, and was, as was the heart of David his father. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Zidians, and after Milcom, 
the abomination of the Ammonites. And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and went not fully after the Lord as did David his father. Then did Solomon build in high places for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, in the hill that is before Jerusalem, and for Molech, the abomination of the children of Ammon. And likewise did he for all the strange wives which burnt incense, sacrifices unto their gods. I'm not going to say that Solomon was the root of all evil or the root of their problems in Israel. They had problems from the moment they got out of Egypt. They had problems from the moment of Exodus. But all those people that the Israelites were supposed to destroy as they went to the promised land, all those people that surrounded them, they all worshipped some different god. Okay? Solomon brought that in. And because he did, the kingdom was divided. That and taxes. I mean, what nation doesn't split over taxes? But that's what happened. All these women turned him away from God. And so it split. And we're looking at 150, 200 years max. If my notes are right, I, on dates I always put an ish on the end of it because I'm not 100% sure. No, is he, if, neither is anybody else. But it never changed. So you have one tribe of Judah that carried the lineage of David. They took the south, and Israel, the other ten tribes, take the north. And so with that, you have two different kings. And the thing is, is as you go and look through history, Israel never once had a king that worshipped God. I can't find one. I mean, the closest I have is maybe Jehu, and we're about to learn about Jehu. I mean, yeah, I mean a good, a good king that, that you would say that they had that, I mean, you want to talk about some, some nasty stuff, Ahab and Jezebel. I mean, that's, that's the kind of people that we're talking about. I mean, pure wickedness. And that's what Israel had for kings and queens. Turn with me real quick. To 2 Kings chapter 10. 2 Kings chapter 10, verse number 11. Jehu was anointed. Jehu was anointed king. And with that, uh, Elijah anointed him, or one of the understudies of Elijah anointed anointed Jehu, and with that anointing, he was told to take out the king and take out all the descendants of Ahab. And so I guess for a little while, you could say that Jehu might have been the best king that they had. Second Kings ten eleven says, So Jehu slew all that remained of the house of Ahab and Jezreel, and all his great men and kinsfolks and his priests, until he left none remaining. And he arose and departed and came to Samaria, and as he was at the shearing house in the way, Jehu met with the brethren of Ahaz, king of Judah, and said, Who are ye? 
And they answered and said, We are the brethren of Ahaz, and we go down and salute the children of the king and to the children of the queen. And he said, Take them alive. And they took them alive and slew them at the pit of the shearing house, even to the forty men, neither left any of, any of them. Jehu goes on in chapter 10 to kill all the prophets of Baal. I mean, which was a good thing. He said, we're going to have a great feast. You get all the Baal lovers that are in the land. He said, have them meet at the temple. And they did. He surrounded it with 40 of his men. They all went in to worship Baal, made a big sacrifice. He said, not one escapes. If one escapes, it's your life. And so he got all the Baal worshipers. But I thought it was impressive. Coming from a military standpoint, I thought that was great. Skip on down to verse number 20. Uh, let's go to 28, uh, 2 Kings chapter 10. And thus Jehu destroyed Baal out of Israel. Howbeit from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, who made Israel to sin, Jehu departed not from after them to wit. The golden calves that were in Bethel and that were in Dan. And the Lord said unto Jehu, because thou hast done well in exceeding in executing that which is right in mine eyes and has done unto the house of Ahab according to all that was in my heart thy children out of the fourth generation shall sit on the throne of Israel but Jehu took, took no heed to walk in the law of the Lord God of Israel with all his heart for he did depart not from the sins of Jeroboam which made Israel to sin I mean that's the closest we come to a good king in Israel Kind of gave you a little bit of an understanding of why God tells Hosea, you're going to execute this punishment. This is coming to the descendants of Jehu for the bloodshed of Jezreel. They always had false gods. Always. And they whored after them. And time and time again, God tries to reach out to them and tell them to turn from it, but they never do. And that's what this book of Hosea is about, is reaching out to the children of Israel, prophesying to them, telling them to turn back to me. So let's continue on in Hosea. says, and she conceived again and bare a daughter, verse number 6. And God said unto him, call her name Lohuhamah, for I will no more have mercy upon the house of Israel. But I will utterly take them away. But I will have mercy upon the house of Judah and will save them by the Lord their God. And will not save them by bow, nor by sword, nor by battle, by horses, nor by horsemen. Now when she had weaned Lohuramah, she conceived and bare a son. Then said, God, call his name Loamiah, for ye are not my people, and I will not be your gods. We see these two other children being born, and the definition of their name comes right after it. So you have... Lohuhema, which means no mercy. Uh, 
This is kind of the, the punishment that's coming, is what we're reading about. God is, well, he's fed up. That's just all there is to it. He has abroad his children. You know, we, we read throughout the New Testament that we are the bride of Christ. You know, we are his people. And so, as we go on and look at this, we need to be able to, to relate to that. Are you the bride of Christ? Are you a faithful bride to our Lord? And lo, Amea, you are not my people. He's going to disown them. And it's coming. It says, Yet the number of the children of Israel shall be as the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured nor numbered. And it shall come to pass that in the place where it is said unto them, Ye are not my people, there it shall be said unto them, Ye are the sons of the living God. Then shall the children of Judah and, and the children of Israel be gathered together and appoint themselves one head, and they shall come up out of the land, for great shall be the day of Jezreel. He's saying, I'm going to turn you away. You are not going to be my people. I'm not going to own you, but I will bring you back. I will bring you back to me. That brings us on to chapter 2, and it, this chapter is, is what I would call hard love, and I, it's necessary to see how the children of Israel, I mean, it, from the very beginning, uh, God said they were a stiff-necked people. And so we go on in chapter 2 of Hosea, And in this chapter, uh, Hosea starts to plead with, with the children, help me get your mother back. He says, say ye unto my brethren Amma, and to your sisters Ruhamah. Now these two words are the same as the children before, except for it does not have the word low in front of it, which is the negative sense. So right off the bat, we see that God wants to bring his wife back to him in a positive light. He said, we're going to work this out. We're going to get through this. You are going to be mine. Plead with your mother, plead, for she is not my wife, neither am I her husband. Let her therefore put away her whoredoms out of her sots and her adulteries from between her breast, lest I strip her naked, and her as in the day that she was born, and make her as a wilderness, and set her like a dry land, and slay her with thirst, and I will not have mercy upon her children, for they be the children of whoredoms. This, this fourth verse, uh, this fourth verse hit, hit pretty hard for me. And the reason it hit so hard is because God does not put the iniquities of the parents on the children. That is true. But the children suffer from the choices 
of the parents. And we see this day in and day out everywhere around us. And I'll give you a really good example. Think about your family genealogy. Think about the people in your past that you're related to. How far back can you go when they were Christians? How many generations can you go back of Dukes, of Huffs, Z-Box? How far back can you go and say they were Christians, they were Christians, they were Christians, they were Christians? Somewhere along there in that time span, somebody in your family decided not to follow God. Somewhere. Somewhere along there, their parents did not teach them about God. And in so doing that, they did not follow Him. How many generations did it take for your family history to get back to God? One? Two? You take somebody like David, a man after God's own heart. How far back did he have to go before somebody fell? Solomon was just one generation. Proverbs 22 and 6, Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old he will not depart from it. Is that not a true statement? Or is that just a wish? No, it's a true statement. Train up a child in the way that he should go and he will not depart from it. It is a promise to you and to I. If we do our job, our ancestors are, are not ancestors. What's the opposite? Help me? No? You don't have it? Okay. Predecessors. Thank you, David. Your predecessors? Will they be in the church? Descendants. That's even better. Keep going. There's got to be another one. That's not either one of them, not what I'm thinking of. You okay? Thank you, sir. Proverbs 22, 15. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. Parents, are you checking out? You saying, I'll just let somebody else do it? A parent is the greatest influence, a great example to their child. Believe it or not, they watch you. I have two boys that watch me. What if I just play the harlot, play the whore all throughout the week, six days a week, but I'm here on Sunday? Is that going to cut it? What if your wife, your spouse, what if they ran around town all week long but she came home on Sunday, one day a week, would, would you count her faithful? God wants more from us. Not only does he want more from us with our own personal lives, but he wants us to raise up our children to set that bar high. Set that bar in heaven. That way whenever they jump, they'll reach it. They'll reach heaven. It's not rocket science. God made it very, very simple. Do your job and I'll reward you. 
said, I will strip her naked. In verse number three, and set, and set her as in the day that she was born, and make her as a wilderness, and settle her like a dry land, and slay her with thirst. You know, we think of wilderness, we think of, you know, just a forest that it's not inhabitable. This wilderness that they're talking about here, uh, I've seen it through binoculars. It sits west of Baghdad, and it reaches all the way to the Jordan. There's nothing out there. Absolutely nothing. You will die of thirst a couple of days. That wilderness that God's going to put them in is nothing. But that's what it's going to take. That's what it's going to take as we read on to, for Gomer to, to see that sin, to see that whoredoms. He's going to strip her of everything. All those things, all those gods that she was worshiping, that, that, that she thought that she was getting all of her material possessions from, he's saying everything that you have, I gave you. And to prove it, I'm going to strip it from you. And you can go worship whatever bell you want to and see what happens. Let's continue on. Verse number 4 of chapter 2. And I will not have mercy upon her children, for they shall be children of whoredoms, for their mother hath played the harlot, and she that conceived them hath done shamefully. For she said, I will go after my lovers that give me my bread and my water, my wool and my flax, my, my oil and my drink. Therefore, behold, I will hedge up the way with thorns and make a wall that she shall not find her paths. And she shall follow after her lovers, but she shall not overtake them. And she shall seek them, but shall not find them. Then shall she say, I will go and return to my first husband. For then was it better with me than now. Every which way she wanted to turn, God put a hedge in front of her. You're not going this way, you're not going that way, you're not going that way. I'm stopping you. You have gone far enough, I'm stopping you right here, right now. For she did not know, in verse number 8, that I gave, unto, gave her corn and wine and oil and multiplied her silver and gold, with they, which they prepared for Baal. Therefore will I return... Therefore will I return and take away my corn in the time thereof and my wine in the season thereof and will recover my wool and my flax given to cover her nakedness. She said, I'm going to stop her from, from seeking all these things and all these things that she has that she thinks sustain her from, that she gets from her lovers, those things I'm going to stop. She's going to come back to me he said, she's going to have all this stuff that I provided for her, and I'm going to stop that too. I'm going to leave her desolate. I'm going to leave her naked and in the wilderness. He says, I will destroy her vines and her fig trees, whereof she saith, these are my rewards that my lovers have given me, and I will make them a forest, and the beasts of the field shall eat them. And I will visit upon her the days of Balaam, wherein she burned incense to them, and she decked herself with her earrings, her jewels, and she went after her lovers and forgot me, saith the Lord. Therefore, behold, I will allure her 
and bring her into the wilderness and speak comfortably unto her. Talking about taking everything away from her, stripping them down and building them back up. You see, no matter what, God is always there. His redeeming love is always there. Not once did he leave Gomer. Gomer left God. He was always there. The children of Israel are the ones that fled. They're the ones that said, you know, we like all this stuff, but we're going to chase after this. It doesn't even exist. No, no matter how far Gomer and the children of Israel tried to run from God, he was always there. He was always there waiting for them to come back to him. Talk about a husband that doesn't give up. You know, I sometimes wish I had that type of patience with people in my own life. You know, how often are we to forgive? How often do we need forgiven? Verse number 17 says, For I will take away the names of Balaam. Uh, names of Balaam is just, it's a, it's a generic, like, saying Allah. You know, it's just a, a generic God name like, like the Hindus have for all their gods. So whenever he says he's taking take away Balaam out of, the, out of her mouth, he's taking away all these, all these things. It's not just one God. It's, it's all these gods that you have put before me, all these material possessions, all these things that you have chased after and gone towards. He's encompassing all of them. He says, I'm going to take them away till you remember them no more. The outpouring of love in order to do that, to take this out of your heart, a husband that cares. And in that day will I make a covenant for them with the beasts of the field and with the fowls of heaven and with the creeping things of the ground, and I will break the bow and the sword and the battle out of the earth, and I will make them to lie down safely. Verse number 18 is, is what's happening. Is he's, he's undoing everything that he did in verse number 12. In verse number 12, he's had all these things to rise up. Verse number 18, he's puts you back in control, puts you back where you belong, puts you back right with creation. And I will betroth thee unto me forever, Yea, I will betroth thee unto me in the righteousness and in judgment and in loving kindness and in mercies. I will even betroth thee unto me in faithfulness, and thou shalt know the Lord, and it shall come to pass in that day I will hear, saith the Lord, I will hear the heavens, and they shall hear the earth. And the earth shall hear the corn and the wine and the oil, and they shall hear Jezreel. And I will sow, sow her unto me in the in the earth, and I will have mercy upon her, 
that had not obtained mercy, and I will say to them which were not my people, Thou art my people, and they shall say, Thou art my God. Just as much today as then, God has not left you. God does not want you to leave Him. He will seek after you day in and day out. He will always be there. And that's the promise that He gives us. It's not by God's doing, but by our own, that we, that we put things above Him. He, he's, not, he's not a cruel husband. He's not an abusive husband. He is kind and loving and forgiving. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. You know, for a long time, I, I looked at that verse and I was like, no. No, that yoke is not easy and that burden is not always light. But that was not God, that was me. Because I haven't let go of sin that I had in my life. I haven't, did not let go of friends that I used to hang out with and run around with. Because those are the things that made that burden heavy. Because I, I couldn't completely follow God. It made life burdensome. Because I did not give it to God. I did not give my life over to God. I, I kept I straddling the fence. We choose to follow God. He will love us like no other. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you'd like to know more about this subject or any other Bible topic, send us a message at our Facebook page, The Church of Christ, Wheeler Area.